Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved of the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgive me. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, and word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us the knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given His only Son to die for us, and for His sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant. For no one living is righteous before you. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the
Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, good will toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father, Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lord of God, Son of our Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God. granted your prophets strength to resist the temptations of the devil and courage to proclaim repentance. Give us pure hearts and minds to follow your Son faithfully, even into suffering and to death. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the seventh chapter of the prophet Amos, beginning at the seventh verse. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. And then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. And then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son. But I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, 
And the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are noble things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The epistle lesson from the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, beginning at the third verse. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We join together in singing the hymn of preparation for the reading of the gospel.
Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah, and others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and a holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out, and she said to her mother, What should I ask for? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel reading of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We consider this morning our epistle reading, those words of St. Paul, in which he describes to us our election in Christ Jesus. He begins with these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus, security. The American Heritage Dictionary lists several entries to describe the word, the first two of them, one word apiece. Security is defined firstly as safety. Who's going to argue with that? And if security is safety, then the second definition doesn't fall far from the tree. Confidence. Safety and confidence. Isn't that what it means to be secure? And you can articulate that in all sorts of ways, and insurance companies do. Insurance companies will want to reflect that safety and confidence that, that reflects what it means to, to be and to feel secure. There's the company that wants you to know that like a good neighbor, they'll be there, have that confidence, know the safety. A company called Nationwide advertises it's on your side so you can be confident that you've got someone on your side. Prudential. Prudential doesn't have to say much at all. It lets its rock, that long-standing symbol of strength and security, it lets its rock do its talking, speak for itself. Of course, there, there's the insurance company, too, that wants you to be sure to be sure when it tells you that, and it reassures you that you're in good hands. And so, articulate security with a slogan... <laughs> Or hear it expressed in an infant's content and peaceful sigh as it rests, secure as secure can be in its mother's loving arms, whichever. And either way, you know what the dictionary means by those two words, safety and confidence. It reflects security. If we didn't know better, we might think St. Paul to be the editor of that dictionary. Why? Because St. Paul in our text speaks of security, your security, in those same terms, in terms of safety, in terms of confidence. Writing to Christians in Ephesus, Paul builds up the Christian's rightful sense of security while he simultaneously breaks down any false securities or insecurities that we so often will harbor. And he begins with these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Who has blessed us, he puts it in the past tense. As one has well said, before we even part our lips to bless God, he's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you know there's security in that. There's security in knowing that even before we would take care to call on Him or, or take care to come to Him or to confess Him or to cast our cares upon Him, even, even before it all, God's the one taking care of us. And that's exactly what St. Paul says in our epistle reading for the day. Paul writes, He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, Paul says, he chose us. And note well, he chose us, not the other way around. Christ said to his disciples, you did not choose me, 
I chose you, he says. Now, we may not like the sound of that. We may feel a bit more secure if we knew that we, we had a bit to do with our own establishing our relationship with God or somehow maintaining that relationship with him. But, but think about it, would we? Would we really be more confident in the end? Could we be? Consider it. If our relationship with Christ from beginning to end depended at all upon our dedication to him rather than his steadfast dedication to us, how sure could we ever really be? How confident or safe would we ever feel? As religious highs fade and spiritual zeal fizzles, as it will from time to time, and you can count on that, would we not always be rededicating ourselves to God in the earnest hope that this time the feeling which would, we would think would be our indication of our faith, that the feeling would somehow stay? Of course we would be. If we rested eternal security on our most earnest commitment to Him, then what would it do to our confidence? In any sense of safety, when we look around and see how poorly we keep even the, even the simplest commitments that we make to one another... And so take heart and find security where St. Paul does. He chose us, he writes. He chose us, but I assure you it was not because of us that he chose us, but rather despite us. Because sometimes we fabricate a bit of confidence too in, in believing that God's endeared to us or connected to us or remains so because of us. Because we're somehow better than the next person or because God's somehow impressed by what we do for him or what we in his name would do for someone else, it's not so. And don't let that be your security. In fact, Isaiah demolishes. He demolishes with a single phrase all false security that we would base upon our own self-worth or our own self-righteousness. When he says in a phrase, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Like filthy rags, there's no security in you. No security in me, and to think so can lead and will lead to insecurity. It reminds me of, a, of an anecdote shared by the 20th century Christian convert named Watchman Nee. Nee tells of a distressed Christian that once came to see him. And the troubled and confounded man, he said to Nee, you know, no matter how how much I pray, no matter how hard I try, I simply can't seem to be faithful enough to my Lord. And so in despair, the man concluded, I fear I'm losing my salvation. And Watchman Nee said to the troubled and the, and the very insecure man, he said, said to him, do you see this dog here? This is my dog. He's, he's house trained, my dog. He never makes a mess. He's obedient. He's a pure delight to me. And then he said, out in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son. He makes a mess. He throws his food all around. He fouls and he dirties his clothes. He's a mess. But he said to him, who is it that's going to inherit my kingdom? It's not my dog. My son, he said, is my heir. You're baptized. That's security. That's security. St. Paul tells us today, he chose us in Christ, having predestined us to adoption as sons 
and sons or heirs. Now, you don't choose to be a son or merit it. You can't. How do you choose to be a son? How do you earn sonship or, or achieve an inheritance? You can't. It's something that happens to you. It's given to you. Sonship, inheritance, it's all taken care of for you. It's beyond you and beyond your ability. And there's safety in that. There's safety because as you take a look at yourself and you think on your past and all the sins that have been a part of it, you're bound to ask yourself the question, how could I be a son of God, more like the prodigal son? How could I possibly be acceptable, well-pleasing to him? Well, God takes care of that too. And St. Paul supplies the answer to that question in today's text, where he says, He made us accepted. Or the text here translates it, blessed us. He made us accepted in the Beloved, in Christ Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And so despite, despite our messes made... <coughs> Despite our messes made in life, of which we repent and we should, or the messes your sins made of someone else's life, despite your fouling things up and blackening a slate that's anything but clean, despite your worst, you, by baptismal faith, are a son of God who stands by his grace to inherit the very best that God has to give. And it was all taken care of for you on the cross of Christ Jesus. Taken care of for you, I say, because you weren't there. And I wasn't there. We weren't there to commit all of our sins to him, to load them on his back, to hang them around his neck. You weren't there to decide to lay the chastisement for our peace upon him, a decision that was made before the foundation of the world. You yet were not. And yet Christ Jesus knew you well. You've heard it sung here before. Before my mother heard my crying, you knew me, O Lord. Your tears in dark Gethsemane were for me. And that's so true. His tears for you, his suffering on the cross for you, with you in mind, his triumphant cry of atonement finished. For your ears to hear time and time again. For your mind and heart to know and to rest securely thereupon. Your salvation, all of it from start to finish, taken care of for you by God. A recent poll showed that English or grammar and math tied for favorite subject among certain school students. Might be surprising to you, but it's good. That's good because both English and, or grammar and math will, will help us understand the security in Paul's words about how our salvation has been won and how it comes to us. Consider firstly the grammar, the verbs, the action words. And in particular, consider who's doing the action throughout. Throughout our text, listen to what Paul says. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us. He predestined us to adoption as sons, Paul writes. He made us accepted in the beloved according to his grace, which he made abound toward us, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself 
that he might gather together in one all things in Christ. You see, God, not you and not me, but God, is the active agent in it all. And the math? The math tells us that in these nine verses, God does 100% of the work. We only passively receive what he freely gives. Back to the dictionary with me. Because beyond those two single word definitions for security, safety, and confidence... The dictionary supplies another description for security. It tells us a security, a security is something deposited or given as assurance of the fulfillment of an obligation, a token of a promise kept, a promise that will be kept. Considering our eternal salvation then, is is it any wonder that St. Paul, with baptism in mind, said in our text, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Guarantee of a promise to come. Now that's a security. Recalling that you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, that you... In that watery guarantee of inheritance, your baptism. Because you see, while you were indeed, as Scripture says, chosen before the foundation of the world, it's there at that time. And in that place, under those baptismal waters that you received, passively you received adoption as God's child, as His heir. And that's exactly how Scripture speaks. So never think of our election in Christ apart from God's means of grace. I say that's how Scripture speaks for listen to Paul and what he writes to the Romans when he says, whom he predestined, he also called. And where does he call but in baptism, in his word that creates faith. Whom he predestined, Paul says, he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified for its justification through the means of grace that is, that's applied to you personally. Whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And he will. In his time, he will. Or listen to what Paul says to the Thessalonian Christians. He writes, God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation. Through what means? Paul tells you. Through sanctification, he says, by the Spirit and belief in the truth, he chose you. Now, how is one brought to sanctification and belief in the saving truth? Paul answers it in that phrase, to which he called you by our gospel. So you see baptism, God's word creating faith within you by which he sustains it. He sustains it in you through word and his holy supper. It's these means, you see, God given means by which God sustains belief in Christ Saving faith in Christ. And as scripture says, whoever believes in him shall not perish. That's its promise, but have eternal life. All who believe and are baptized shall be saved is God's promise to you. Whoever, scripture says, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so it's no wonder then that Luther would write what he did. It's included for you in the front cover of your Your bulletin today, at the the very end of his paragraph, he writes, He who thus insists and relies on the sacraments 
will find that his election and predestination will turn out well without any worry and effort on his part. God determined to bring you to salvation. He determined when and how, through his means of grace, he would do it. And through that word and through his supper, he's determined to keep you steadfast in it. So never forfeit your inheritance, but know that it rests in in good hands. Finally today, speaking of sure hands and good hands, the story is told of a group of botanists who went on an expedition to a hard-to-reach location in the Alps, searching for new varieties of flowers. Well, one day, looking through his binoculars, one of the scientists saw a rare, a beautiful species growing at the bottom of a deep ravine, but to reach it, someone would, someone would have to be lowered down into the gorge. Well, noticing a local youngster nearby, the, the head botanist asked the boy if he would help them get the flower. He explained to the boy that that a rope would be tied around his waist and the men then would lower him by that rope down to the floor of the canyon. Well, a bit excited and understandably, though, apprehensive about the prospect of it all, the youngster, he peered thoughtfully into that chasm. And then he said, he said, wait, I'll be right back. And so off he dashed. And when he returned, he was accompanied by an older man And approaching the head botanist, the boy said to him, I'll go over the cliff now and get the flower for you. But this man, he must hold the rope. He's my dad. How much more secure? How much more secure the hands of your father in heaven? How much safer the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ? You can rest secure knowing that from creation to the cross to the consummation of all things, your salvation rests and always has and always will in the nail-pierced hands of Christ Jesus. I'll leave you today with a statement from our own Lutheran confessions. It's a statement, I think, of, of comfort that goes nearly unparalleled in its heartening description of this dear truth of our election in Christ. It's written this way. This teaching offers the following beautiful, wonderful comfort that God made the conversion, righteousness, and salvation of each individual Christian such a high personal concern of his and intended to remain so faithful to it that even before the foundation of the world, he resolved, and according to his own purpose, he preordained how he would bring me to salvation and preserve me in it. And likewise, he desired to guarantee my salvation so completely and certainly because it could slip through our fingers so easily through the weakness of our flesh or be snatched away by the devil and the world. For he has preordained this salvation through his eternal intention which cannot be overthrown and has placed it for safekeeping into the almighty hand of our Savior Jesus Christ from which no one can snatch you away. That's being in good hands. Security in his hands. In his name. Amen.
of your people. Give her courage to boldly proclaim the whole counsel of the word to a dying world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Bless your pastors as your kingdom of grace and mercy is advanced by your word doing its work in the world. By their preaching and teaching, mightily send your Holy Spirit, so that all who hear may by your grace be turned from sin and its death to find your forgiveness and love and life in Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In the midst of every day's trials and temptations, save us from the power of the evil foe. Remind us of our election by your kindness and grace, of our baptism wherein you made us your own, by the power of your Holy Spirit, who enables us to stand steadfast in Christ's strength against all that would rob us of our faith and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Graciously abide, O Lord, with all who are sick or suffer from earthly affliction, especially Glenn Miller, Hugh Ryan, Paul Duell, Dick and Elsie, much others in our midst. In the midst of their sufferings and trials, give them the daily strength that they need to endure and comfort them with faith's images of heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Send your holy angels to guard and to defend the most vulnerable of your people especially infants in the womb and the aged who are dying. Protect them from all who would harm them, deliver them at last either into this world or into the safety and into the security of eternity. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Deal compassionately, O gracious Father, with all who mourn the death of loved ones, especially Max Bokelman and his family at the death of Max's younger brother. Enable family and friends to celebrate the years they share together and the confession of faith that they had in common as they look forward in the faith to the inheritance that belongs to all who belong to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Look mercifully upon all of your servants who celebrate special anniversaries of your goodness and grace, all of those who celebrate anniversaries of their birth, their baptism, or marriages during the days to come. And so also, I thank you, O Father, that 35 years ago today, you ordained and installed me as a pastor in your church and have since blessed me so richly with an encouraging wife and family with supportive congregations. Continue to bless with your presence whatever years of service yet remain, that you would do through me what you have called and enabled me to do. May it be for the goodwill of your people 
and that through them too your work would be accomplished. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Hear us as we pray to you, O Father. Receive our thanks and our praise and grant us our petitions, not because we have merited your blessings, but for the sake of your only begotten Son, who died for us and now intercedes for us at your right hand, where he reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And hear us, Heavenly Father, even as you've taught us through your Son to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, thine is the cast the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth, and finally, by your grace, attain to the light of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.